I'm Phil Liggett, and this is The Wheelhouse. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of The Wheelhouse. It's extra special today. We're here for International Women's Day um, and we've joined forces with Chicks Who Ride Bikes uh, to bring you today's incredible episode. Now, through my journey in cycling and in life, I've just had an enormous privilege to be surrounded by some incredible women, to be supported by them. Uh, My mum, Jude, my sister, Natalie, uh, my grandmothers as well, and of course, some colleagues and some friends who have brought me on this journey as well. And I think on International Women's Day, as well as trying to celebrate uh, and move forward, we also should take pause to look at the people around us who've inspired us and our journey so far. Now, for International Women's Day, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined in the studio today uh, by a young lady whose story is really one of incredible strength, uh, resilience, fight and success. Uh, Imogen Outen is one of Australia's fastest rising talents in cycling, not just Australia, actually, uh, but in the world. But her journey has been anything but a smooth, paved asphalt road, a little bit more like the Arambird Forest at Paris-Roubaix. Uh, <laughs> But it's been an incredible journey. Imogen Alton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's an honour to be here. Well, in the bunker. Welcome to the bunker. Um, You're a local. I thought you might ride your bike in. Oh, well, you know, Brisbane summer. It's a bit (laughs) bit hard to in the afternoon. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, Now, I haven't met you in person until today. No. (laughs) uh, But I have worked with you because most recently you're a very valued member of the Australian eSports team for the World Championships. What was that like? Like, it's a a bit different getting your green and gold um, to be virtual and online. Yeah, um, can't say I expected the first time I'd be wearing the green and gold to be on an indoor bike. (laughs) But I also didn't think that it would be in cycling full stop, so... Um, it was just such a quick turnaround, something I didn't expect would happen, could happen this year, um, in the light of everything. Oh, it was an unbelievable experience I'll remember for the rest of my life. Well, and it's interesting because you say in light of everything. Yes. And I want to pick up on that because when I, as part of my job as the director, I had to call you when you got selected. Yes. Um, and... When I rang you, you sounded so beyond thrilled. But I didn't know a lot about your story other than you'd been a finalist in Zwift Academy. I delved through your power numbers and thought, holy moly, this girl's got some gas. <laughs> um, and so when you were so surprised, that caused me to investigate your number. That sounds super <laughs> creepy, doesn't it? I totally Google searched you because I thought, why is she so surprised? Um, but you've had a Bit of a trip, haven't you? I mean, most recently (laughs) um, you'd been diagnosed with REDS, Red S, so relative energy deficit in sport. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that made, that was a big part of what made your selection so meaningful for you. Yeah, absolutely. So Red S, relative energy deficit in sport, is, as the name suggests, a relative energy deficit in the sport. Uh, so that can either come from training lots um, and not being able to meet your energy needs because you're training so much or you're just not eating enough to fuel your training. So, or both really. Um, the crux of it is, is that you're not, there's no energy for your body to do the things that it needs to do for you to live. Um, and that catches up on you. So, um, 
I was in a state of energy, relative energy um, depletion deficit. Um, and I didn't know I was for such a long time. It was only September that of last year that I got diagnosed, but it was nationals of last year that I thought something was wrong. I did the time trial and I thought I did rubbish. I I just I didn't feel myself. I couldn't push. I had no momentum over the hills. I could sit on the watts I needed to on the flat, but as soon as it came to any hill, I just had no gas. And I thought that is not me. I'm a punchy attacking sort of rider. Um, and the same happened in the road race. And I thought, no, that something is just not right. Something's not sitting well. Um, and I went through a series of tests. I went and got every hormone tested, every oh, vitamin tested, iron, uh, thought maybe it's my thyroid hormone. I don't know. I saw so many doctors and it only came about when I started working with my dietitian. Hey, maybe we should get a metabolic scan. I thought, yeah, okay, well, let's do that. I don't care. I'll do anything at this point. It's been, you know, months. Um, and we got that scan and it came back. Um, it's essentially you wear this weird astronaut helmet. It's really cool, actually. <laughs> oh, I need a picture <laughs> <Yeah>. of that. <laughs> you have this, like, astronaut helmet on um, and you breathe, try and rest. It tests your resting metabolic rate um, based off how much oxygen you consume and carbon dioxide you expel in this little chamber around your head. Um, and then they put that number into an equation based off your height and weight. And it should come out with a range between 90 to 110% is considered normal. I was at 60, which is not normal, is a very, very bad. My body had just started shutting down, started going, oh, well, I'm not getting enough energy in at the moment. So I need to go low energy mode like your laptop, if it's out of charge, you go low power mode. And so I went low power mode and you know, just stopped, stopped working as efficiently as and as effectively as I was supposed to be because I wasn't eating enough or I was just training too much. Um, so then went on the journey of recovery from September and that's something that can take like years <laughs> to repair. So I, I didn't think that it would be something for me in the foreseeable future. And it was what made that phone call. I cried. <laughs> so special. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible journey to go from such a low. I mean, not only in terms of the diagnosis, but six months before you were explaining that you were feeling like this isn't me, something's wrong. That was where you were at a relative high in your career yeah, yep. in the Swift Academy finals. Mm -hmm. uh, so that must have been a massive difference, but it kind of seems poetic, Imogen, I think, then that your first um, really big thing back is then eSports. Yes, um, yeah. Coming from Zwift Academy. Um, but I want to know a bit more about that. We've talked about um, Zwift Academy with Jay Vine. I mean, if he's not the poster boy for eSports, <laughs> I don't know who is right. But I don't really know about the process. Like, is it just one race where you go out and then there's finalists from that? Or how does it even work? So for me... Competing in 2021, um, it just happened by chance, really. Um, I I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't able to not ride outside. My mum had just passed away and I couldn't deal with the distractions almost of riding outside. I couldn't focus on being safe, on cars, on being alert. 
And I thought, I, I can't do it, but I need I need a bike. I need to <laughs> ride a bike and I can't do it safely. So, okay, um, I guess I'll go on Zwift. And I used Zwift and I've used indoor cycling since, you know, my rowing day sort of thing. Um, and it just came up on my dashboard, oh, Zwift Academy. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, I'll, <laughs> I'll give it a go sort of thing. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think my numbers were competitive at all. Um, and uh, you can choose to opt in to do the professional contender workouts. So normal Zwift Academy is about six workouts that kind of secretly test for um, certain parameters yeah yep. exactly and you have a baseline ride where it secretly tests for a one minute a three minute and a 10 minute 20 minute sort of power um, and then you have a finish line ride and you see what difference to see if you're trainable sort of thing um, and then you'll have uh, we had two pro contender sort of workouts one was a time trial out to Zwift Oy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've ridden up out this week. There was no time trolling about it, let me tell you. <laughs> so one was a time trial up after Zwift and then the other was this workout. It was insanely hard. I had to do it twice. Um, I couldn't get through it the first time. It was that difficult. Um, and then did the workouts and I got an email saying, oh, you're in, con in contention to be a finalist. You're not a finalist, but you might be. Can you do these like sort of going. yeah yeah can you do these sort of verification send us this data this data I was like oh this is really cool okay like if nothing happens from there then at least I got here was what I was thinking oh wow how amazing yeah an accidental journey yeah. and literally cheaper than therapy yeah um, yeah it sounds like that was a pretty important avenue grieving absolutely um, and um tell us a bit about your mum because you were really close to your mum and that must have been a really tough thing to comprehend and it's as a lifelong cyclist who's had some grief I know what an important part the bike has played for me is that still what the bike does for you does that really help you connect with your mum and and keep moving forward Absolutely. Like, I'm so attached to sport. Um, she sacrificed so much for me, so much for my siblings, for us to pursue our sporting endeavours. Um, any race I do, I think of her. Any time I need to push myself, I think of her. Um, any win I have, I think of her. It all comes back to her and what she did for me and what she sacrificed for me. So I can do those things. She's really on the bike with you, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, absolutely. It's, so she passed away in July 2021. Yes. Um, she had MND. Yes, yes. And I know that you did an Everesting fundraiser yes. um, for it. Is that right? Like over 9,000 metres of climbing yeah. or something? Up out to Zwift. Oh, my goodness. That sounds pretty disgusting, actually. Um, but that must have... Like is it? It really seems like the esports in particular is something that you've really grabbed onto with both hands um, to get you through that time when your mum was still with us. But you know, it was a tough journey for you and your family. Absolutely, yeah. I I think it's the the community, honestly, like the community of esports. You have people from around the world, and the community in cycling 
as a general is so welcoming, so accepting, so supportive. And to have that on a global basis is just, I don't think you can find anywhere else. And I think that's why I have gravitated towards esports. Gee, Imogen, there's been some highs and lows, haven't they? (laughs) You know, from your mum's diagnosis to Everesting and achieving that to Zwift finals, to having to say goodbye to... To Reds, like it's been quite a ride a so far. Coaster. It has yep. been a roller coaster. <laughs> You're not a natural born cyclist because you were a rower before. Yes, yes. Why cycling? Um, it's a funny story. Uh, so I used to be a lightweight rower. Uh, there are two weight categories in rowing: heavyweight, lightweight. Um, so I, was, I feel like they could. I know. Update I was the language heavy, on yeah, that. So heavyweight is not very oh. politically correct. It's not very twenty first century friendly, but that's fine. Um, heavyweight, lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was told by a coach at the time that I, I used to be heavyweight. Um, the only way I'd be competitive and the only way I'd make an Australian team is if I went lightweight. And I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll Without do anything. Without amputating a limb, or yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm, you know tall girl, I'll, I'll drop the weight. Anyway, I worked with the sport dietitian for lightweight rowers um, to lose weight and I dropped a ridiculous amount of weight in a ridiculous amount of time and I was flying. I was meeting all of the prognostic times. Everyone's going, oh, my God, look at Imogen Go. She's going to make an Australian team. Uh, we get to Queensland States Um and I pass out, get heat stroke, wake up in a pool of my own vomit oh and go gosh. to hospital. They get my bloods done and I'm deficient in every fat soluble vitamin, which you would expect. Um, I was My female hormone profile messed up. They were coming back saying that I had the hormonal profile of a postmenopausal woman and I was 20. God, that's confronting, isn't it? It was very scary. It was incredibly scary. And so it was a really serious intervention, meaning that I had to stop training and I had to pull out of my dream of chasing the Australian rowing team um, and pull out of my season of rowing at the start of racing. Um, And my friend had quit rowing completely at that point in time and he had gone back to his original sport, which was cycling. He was a track cyclist as a junior and he told me, you should come and do these uni rides. We just go get coffee. I said to him, mate, I can't ride a bike on the road. I don't know what you're talking about. As in literally, I don't (laughs) know how to. (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) And he was like, it's fine, we'll teach you. I went, oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) And so I started doing these little coffee rides. Um, Every Monday, uh, we're like, you know, 40 minutes max, we went 20k an hour sort of thing waiting Sounds for like me. My kind of it bike was fantastic. <laughs> we'd, we'd stop for two coffees. It was brilliant. Um, and the reception I received was something I'd never experienced in sport before. Everyone was so supportive, understanding, welcoming. There were no weird clicky clickiness that was happening. It was just amazing. And so then I came back to rowing um, whilst continuing my little coffee rides on Monday and meeting this group and this group became my group of friends. Um, I came back to rowing and I came 
you know, bull out of a gate going, I need to make an Australian team. I was just so determined, so <laughs> focused. I had my blinders on. I need to make an Australian team this year. Um, it was all going well until I went on a bike ride and I came off my bike and I broke my shoulder and my elbow. And Jeez, I will... that wasn't in my notes. No. Crikey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and... Uh, I was in the Queensland, uh, like squad for rowing. I got put out of the squad because I'd broken my shoulder and my elbow and I thought, oh geez, I just need to make it to nationals. I've still got time for nationals. And I jumped on the indoor bike and went guns blazing, doing double days, two hours at least on the bike, doing these crazy intervals with my arms strapped up like this, thinking... See, now you sound like a cyclist. I was... <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I was just so determined that I will make... a. T I need to get in the boat. Um, and I got the all clear from the surgeon. Um, and I thought, oh... Thank God, like I have time, I have time. I just need to get back and get the boat feeling back and get the boat moving. Um, I laid out my uh, kit for the next morning. I was that excited and I got in the boat and I didn't even finish my warm up. I thought, nah, stuff this. I hate this. What am I doing? I don't enjoy this anymore. I had this weird realization, epiphany of what on earth are you doing? And I turned back around and I went home and that was that. Wow, jeez, <laughs> converted to cycling that, just that like that. That was it. Yeah, that was it. it. I mean, it seems like quite a natural fit for you on the indoor bike, like from your rowing yeah. introduction <laughs> to your eSports to Zwift Academy. You mentioned that it was a little bit scary on the road. <laughs> yeah. uh, this year you have signed um, with a pro Conti team, so in the women's it's a step just below uh, world tour. Yes. You're planning on heading overseas um, to Belgium between May and September, is that right? Yeah, To do some correct. racing. Uh, that's like a pretty massive thing to do, bunches of 160 to 200 women. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's that journey been like from terrified to ride for coffee versus what you're about to embark on? Also a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> There's a theme I think, emerging here. I think here. I just live on a roller coaster. Um, yeah, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, my first races um, were in C grade uh, in 2020 to like now. Like club racing. Yeah, to now here I am sort of thing. So it's been a very strange quick turnaround amongst you know, a pandemic where there has been no racing. So I... I've raced very, very literally outside. I've raced any race I can enter, essentially. Um, last year, I went over and I did my first European stint by myself. I just individually self-funded that um, because I thought, well, I need I need to get over there. I need to upskill. That was the feedback I got from Zwift Academy was that I've got it. I just need to, just need to learn it. And I thought, okay. I've got to go learn it then. So um, there was a little spanner thrown in the works when I broke my wrist at the start of last year. <laughs> so it was only a very short trip overseas. I'd only been back on the bike. It was literally just under two weeks after I got back on the road um, where I went off to Belgium. I went there for five weeks and it was very, very, very steep learning curve. <laughs> um, but Although it was a short time, I noticed a huge change when I came back, um, assertiveness and confidence. Um, and I think that Zwift Academy 
in itself as well has given me confidence too in that I am lucky enough to have been told that physiologically I do have what it takes. I just need the nurturing support and to learn how to do it. Learn how to be a bike rider. Yeah, exactly. It's I always call them um, them. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, <laughs> um, lungs on bikes. Yes, yeah. You know, when I'm commentating a race and – that's how I refer to people sometimes when they've come from other sports and they're so talented, but they haven't quite learned the art of racing. Yes. Um, but it seems like you've got a bit of a go-get attitude. Um, <laughs> we'll give anything a crack. <laughs> I so will. have you tried any other cycling disciplines? Yeah, I do. have given track a bit of a crack. How was that? I loved it. It was oh, so cool. freaking good. I loved it. Um, the plan is to give it a bit of a better crack. Um, life happened and mum got sick and I couldn't keep up the commitment. But after I come back, I'm hoping to get back on the velodrome. Oh, I at, think that... the anime is velodrome. Yes. No less. I thought I read in an interview somewhere that um, you said that track was, like, terrifying. Yeah. When you fir- <laughs> what was it like when you first got out there? Uh, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but what element in particular? The no brakes? No brakes. Yeah. And also I have the memory of a goldfish and I'm that person that's like effort done sit stop can't do that don't do that do not do that oh my god so I had a couple of oh my god keep going sort of moments (laughs) yes Yes, you almost need to write it on your handlebars don't you yes to keep going well we're like in the midst of classic season at the moment and I love classics and when I was racing there actually weren't very many for women we had Amstel Gold Race at uh, the beginning of my career, we had uh, Flesh Wallon, but, you know, I don't like hills, so that wasn't too good. <laughs> but we didn't have Roubaix and all mm. those sorts of things. You are heading over soon, but if you could, like, dream yourself in a position in the next couple of years, what podium would you be standing at? Would it be at Paris-Roubaix? Would it be at the Tour de France? There's I think, well, options now. Tour de France would be it just because of the support and backing from Zwift. I think that it would be quite... In line, it'd be, yeah, it? exactly. Really I think that it would fit my story exactly. Yeah, I think that it would be poetic yes. if that was the if that was the first one. Yeah, it's. I mean, are you looking forward to more stage races, or is it one day races that you kind of your heart makes your heart beat? I think that the aggressiveness, the assertiveness, and the electricity of one day races is where my heart sort of lies. But I do appreciate the tactical um, skills that are required for stage racing and how, okay, you had one bad day, but it doesn't mean that it's over. You can chase other goals and other things. So I do like the opportunities that stage racing provides, but yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, in terms of excitement, I think that the, the one day is sort of they're hard to say no to. Yeah, op- <laughs> like op- I get what you're saying 100% yeah, with yeah. the opportunity in stage races. Like that's great. But I always got through about three days and then was like, really? And you're like, my legs are fried. Yeah. Can we, can we <laughs> well, stop? <laughs> and I remember Anna Mears used to say to me, um, like, and I at the time, my distance was 25 kilometres in a points race and her distance was essentially 500 metres max in a time trial. And she'd say to me, babe, if you can win a gold medal in 500 metres, why would you ride 25K? 
And I was like, there's some that's a, that's I like a that. good argument. Yeah, I mean, my body couldn't keep up I with that. I can't do that, uh, but unfortunately. <laughs> I wish. That'd be nice. But... It is. Well, so what's the biggest challenge heading internationally, um, converting from the background that you've come from? Your skills have obviously improved a lot, um, especially from a terrifying ride to the coffee yeah. shop. <laughs> um, but, you know, what do you think are the biggest things heading into that pro peloton? Was it easy or difficult even to find a spot on the team? Oh, I think the most challenging thing is gaining respect. And I don't think Ooh. that you sort of know that unless you're in it, but people know teams, people know names, and if you're a no one, then they'll treat you like a no one and Ooh. you won't get through and you won't like get that's wheels. like controversial. A little bit maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's the biggest thing, um, especially I think overseas and if they hear English and if they hear accent, they will go get stuffed. Oh, so you're saying that it's a bit harder for the Aussies. I think so. Absolutely. To earn some respect in Europe. Absolutely, yeah. That was my experience anyway. So, yeah. how, I mean, how does that play out in the bunch? Like they won't let you take the wheel or they're just not as kind of kind to you or? Bit of elbows, bit aggressive. Oh. <laughs> they will not let you take that wheel. No. That's harsh. No. It's that, it's, and it's either, I'm not sure if it's, um, just the lack of not knowing who you are and not trusting your capabilities and whether or not you can hold the wheel that they're going to give up. Um, but that was, yeah, it was what I noticed immediately is that they were ruthless towards anyone that would speak out in English in an ruthless. accent. Ruthless. I think that's, yeah. that's a, like a little yeah. bit of spicy in there. <laughs> Except do you think that they have the respect for the esports background? Because like, I feel like maybe Jay Vine has shifted the perception mm. a bit, but until he had some breakthrough wins, people very much looked at yeah. esports as just a hobby. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think that if anything, I think people have negative connotations that you have an engine but you can't ride a bike is what I think think that people think um and it's interesting I don't think that's the reception I've maybe had I think that um as a general though I don't think people pay much mind to esports if you are trying to find your way out on the road Hmm, interesting, which I think is silly, by the way. I agree. I think they're completely missing a beat in terms of talent identification yep. um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I want to um, share with you, Imogen, that for International Women's Day, chicks who ride bikes um, have partnered up with our dear friends at Champion System and they are releasing a special edition jersey. Um, now, kind of ironic to how speedy you are, the jersey is a sloth jersey. <laughs> um, so quite, you know... Maybe like the Monday coffee rides. Amazing. Um, but what they would love to do um, is to donate all of the profits to a charity of your choice. So um, which charity would you like them to put the profits towards? Um, in my brain, that's a no-brainer for MND and me. Um, they were so huge in the support that they gave my mum and my family um, during and after my mum had ALS and motor neuron disease. So um, I hope that those funds would help families 
like me, like my own, like my mum, uh, through what it was a really crappy time. Well, get on it, people. Get yourself a slothy jersey. We'll put the link uh, in our social media and in the show notes, but you can also head over to Chicks Who Ride Bikes uh, and take a look at that. And I know that you can literally change a life and change families' lives um, by putting yourself in a sloth kit. I mean, it works <laughs> what pretty better well. Way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Imogen, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, what you were saying about REDS and, you know, what's kind of plagued your career so far around weight management. And um, you might recall recently Richie Port retired and then popped a photo up on social media uh, in his kit. Unfortunately, there's a lot of douche canoes out there in the world. (laughs) And he got some pretty nasty comments on his body composition uh, on that post, rather than just being super happy for the guy who's tortured his body for over a decade. How much do you think the sport plays into um, well-being for athletes, physical and mental and body image and weight management? Do you think it's the individual that needs to manage it? Or like, what's the culture like in cycling these days? Because, I mean, back in my day, it was old school. But what is it like now? I think it's both. I think that absolutely, definitely in the peloton, it's more so, it's subtle. It's subtle comments. It's subtle remarks of what's per kilo, of I'm not lean enough to do X, Y, Z race, or I'm not built to do X, Y, Z race because there's hills and I'm not a climber sort of thing. It's like, okay, well, there's one climb in it. It doesn't mean that, you know, unless (laughs) it's a hilltop finish, you know, it's the the climb doesn't always decide the race, you know? Um, So I think that, yeah, it's definitely in the sport, but like also there are pressures, societal pressures outside, like as a young girl, there are societal expectations for me to look and be a certain way. So not only do I have the pressures to look like a cyclist and be a little climby, good watts per kilo, whatever, there's also, oh, well, I want to be a skinny, mini, pretty girl, you know? Um, And I think that not only is that just for girls, but, you know, guys as well. Okay. I want to be shredded and have a lean six pack because that's what's in men's fitness. And okay, well, I also need the watts per kilo too. So I don't think it's um, just the sport, but I think the sport does play a big part in it. And I think that the people you surround yourself with also play a really big part in that too. Yeah. Big support team. I, I guess in my day, I never had to deal with the data that you guys have to deal with. Literally, we didn't even have Garmin's. I mean, we had early SRM's that had some numbers on it. And I sometimes wonder, would I perform better now with all this information or would it be such an overload for me that you can obsess over it? Yeah. The numbers, the watts per kg, all that sort of stuff. There's like definitely performance benefits, but I think it's as soon as you start obsessing over it is where you can really build yourself into a spiral and dig yourself a very deep hole and probably end up getting red S yourself. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's really important to have the good role models in front of you, right? Absolutely. Like, and there's a lot of kids with Richie Port on their um, wall. I had a, oh, I shouldn't admit this, I had a poster of Lance Armstrong when he won his amateur <laughs> world title. Look, this was early days, guys. It was well before that was unpopular to say. Uh, did you have anything up on your wall? Like, were there any athletes that you really aspired to? No, honestly, I'm quite boring in that way. I just, I admire the people directly around me. I think that my 
the biggest person that I aspire to be or to, I guess, um, emulate in some sort of way is my sister, Lily, who's down at the National Rowing Training Centre. Yeah, she's a star, an absolute weapon. And I think it's because I can see directly what she deals with, what she goes through, the training she does um, and how she um, holds herself as an athlete both um, in the boat and off the boat. And I think that I, yeah, it's hard not to admire and respect her. It's, do you know who I re- like, who was my absolute idol growing up, um, was my sister. And I can thank her for almost all of my cycling success because she got a silver medal at the Junior World Championships um, on the road. And at the time, she was the first Australian to do so. She got a silver medal. And I just thought, all I want in life is to be in the same realm as her. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. like I want to be better. I just thought she's incredible how she does it all, and she got you know a near perfect school leavers score and everything. And isn't it like sometimes we talk about these big people, these big stars that you can look up to and find inspiration from, but often they're the incredible people around us, and often for girls, um, the women. Yes, absolutely. Um, Speaking of brainy people, my sister is a very brainy one, but um, are you about to sit the GAMSATs to get into medical school? Is that right? Yep. Yes, I am. Uh, 18th of March is my test, so cross your fingers for me. Well, how, so how does that work with pro cycling? What's the plan, doctor, so, into, um, to balance all of that? Uh, so it's all touch and go, which is great. We're just riding the roller coaster. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> for better or worse. So I sit the exam, um, applications open and close in May, um, so you, you Toss in, you hope, cross your fingers that something happens for next year. This will be my second time applying. I got an interview offer last year and I sat an interview, which was amazing, but didn't get an offer for medicine this year. So it's just something I'm playing year by year. Um, if that offer were to come, it's, I don't know, it's sort of environmental-based, situation, circumstance-based on whether, like, do I have a team or not? Do I have a contract or not? Um as to whether or not it's cycling or medicine. I know that using, you know, it, cycling's happening now. Um, Imagine having those options. <laughs> Again, for better or worse, I suppose. I mean, it's a good thing uh, in a way. Is there something medically that you've got your eye on specialising? Yes, absolutely. Um, neurosurgery or neurology. Uh, I was going to do my honours research project uh, in motor neuron disease, uh, we were working, it was so cool. Uh, it was an exoskeleton um, to help people who had um, paralysis and weren't able to move their limbs as well. And we were looking at the metabolic efficacy of this exoskeleton for people and whether or not that could potentially help quality of life later on. Um, but it was a little bit too recently after my mum had passed. So I said no to the opportunity and thankfully I did because then I was able to go over to Belgium and race and um, Torelli was able to happen. So, um, yeah, I see myself wanting to contribute to the space of uh, motor neuron disease and uh, neurology, absolutely. You're just a phenomenal young lady. <laughs> what was your mum's name, Imogen? Jan. Jan. Well, I think today's episode is very much for Jan, um, who I know just goes on every part of your journey with Absolutely. you. Did she know how to ride a bike? 
Uh, yeah, so <laughs> like if you were scared to go to the coffee shop, you're one of four siblings. Is there anybody else in the family who rides a bike? No, so my mum uh, probably instilled the fear in me. Uh, she used to ride lots. She used to ride uh, from her house to university, which was like a 30k ride each way sort of thing. Um, and she'd tell us stories about how she'd stop by the bakery on the way home and smash a whole baguette to herself. And I'm like, yeah, understandable. Well, I like, I would yeah, do. I like yeah. <laughs> A pie for me. Yeah, I exactly. Think it would be. <laughs> um, and she got hit by a car, had a huge hole in her uh, calf. And I think that's where my fear sort of originated yeah. of scared to ride on the road um, sort of thing. Um, so she definitely steered, not steered, uh, encouraged us yes. not to ride on the road. <laughs> yes, I, and I can see that too. But it's, um, yeah, like it's quite empowering, isn't it, when you realise that there's a lot more safety in your hands if you do it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, there is. You just follow the road rules like you're a car. Yeah, well, so my normal co-host in here, Imogen, mm. um, Joel Spreadborough, his cycling journey is quite new and uh, he's been asking some pretty funny questions along the way. You should have been here when he discovered the chamois, um, or as he calls it, the chamois, um, and was figuring out what it was like to essentially wear an adult nappy on a bike. Um, but he's one of the things he talks about is he hasn't yet figured out how to take his water bottle out while riding. Ah, uh, yes. You know, like, yep. and sometimes it's the most basic skills that yes. they make look so easy when you're watching it on the television that actually you get out there and uh, hey this uh, is kind of tricky yeah <laughs> yeah exactly even if you've got the engine um Imogen it's just been an absolute pleasure having you thank um, you so join much us here in the bunker who's your home club in Queensland University of Queensland so all right club. now am I correct that they have a little bit of a rivalry with another Queensland university that's also very into cycling? Yeah. Yeah? Would that be QUT? Yeah. All right. I, I feel like I want to see a bit of like a head-to-head race between these clubs. I think that That'd could be, be amazing. a little bit of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, like a wheelhouse race-off. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. I like this. Uh, our... Um, Genius producer, uh, Merksy <laughs> is probably rolling his eyes in the studio, going, "Oh my gosh, Kate keeps signing us up." Here's for these another weird one. Things. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that, Merksy. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank in you here. so much. Uh, good luck with the medical thank exams. You. Thank We're you wishing so much. All the best in that, and uh, please keep us in your hearts. Please I keep Wheelhouse in your family as you embark on your adventures overseas. And uh, good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for joining us for today's episode. We were supported uh, by Chicks Who Ride Bikes. They've got a Ride Buddy Finder app. We'll uh, link to that so you can download that and check it out. Uh, and of course, our fantastic partners at Champ Sis Per Se and the Grow Getters Group uh, who support and make the Wheelhouse possible. Thank you very much and we'll see you soon.